0: The Gospel reading for the day continues the Luke narrative of the Nativity. It is stunning how quickly Matthew and Luke, the two places where we have Nativity, move away from manger and house scenes with babies and and go quickly, in Luke's case, to the temple. Listen for God's Word. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. It's never easy to wait on anything of importance. I think if we did uh, an average time among the youngest ones here today, uh, 7 a.m. on Friday morning maybe is when the waiting just had to be over. It's never easy to wait on anything of importance, a plane carrying a loved one to arrive, a healing word to end a bitter argument, uh, the toilsome task to be done, or for the labor to be over and the baby to be born. And life and faith continue to teach us, it is hardest of all, to wait on God There's always a temptation to transform waiting for God into something else or something less. Simeon and Anna will tell you it is never easy to wait. Simeon and Anna were aging Jews who clung to their hope and waited. Luke tells us that Simeon and Anna lived in Jerusalem and were among those who were expectantly looking for God to come in power to save the people. These two believed that a God who can save would not leave God's chosen people forever empty. So they did what they could, and they waited. Simeon was upright and devout, Luke tells us, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anna never left the temple courts. Day and night, she was there worshiping God, fasting and praying, waiting for redemption. But it's never easy to wait on anything of importance. Least of all, waiting for God. Now, there are some who would change waiting for God into passivity. Uh, It's God for whom we wait, they would say, so nothing can be done until God comes. Nation will rage against nation, and there's nothing we can do about it. We have to wait for God to bring the peace. The poor will always have with us, and it's God who has to take care of them. We just have to wait. We live in an evil and unjust world, but we've gotta wait for God to set things right. But, But waiting for God is not like waiting in a darkened theater waiting for the movie to begin. Waiting for God is more like waiting for an honored guest to arrive at our home, there's so much to be done to prepare for this moment. Every sweep of the broom, every setting of the table, every preparation of the meal is done in anticipation of the needs and wishes and expectations of the one who is to come. In the early 1960s, at the height of the Civil Rights Movement, a group of white ministers issued a public statement urging the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the name of Christian faith to be more patient in his quest for justice and to relax this relentless struggle for civil rights. King's response came in his famous letter from Birmingham jail. In the letter... King indicated that he'd received many similar requests for delay. Indeed, he said he'd just gotten a letter from a white brother who wrote, it is possible that you're in too great a religious hurry. The teachings of Christ take time to come to earth. Dr. King replied that such an attitude stemmed from a tragic misunderstanding of time, the notion that time itself cures all ills. Time, King argued, could be used for good or for evil. Human progress, he said, is not inevitable, but rather it comes through the tireless efforts of people willing to be co-workers with God. And usually, without that hard work, time itself becomes the ally of the status quo. We must use time creatively, King said, in the knowledge that the time is always ripe to do right. King knew that complete justice had to await the coming of God, but as he proclaimed in the sermon the night before he was killed, I've been to the mountaintop and seen the promised land, he was persuaded with every fiber of his being that for Christians the time is always ripe to do right. Simeon and Anna were waiting for God to come but they were far from passive in their waiting. Simeon was full of devotion and did what was just. Anna kept the lights burning in the temple night and day. They waited, but they did what they could while they waited. There are others who, weary of waiting for God, would turn to more immediate and tangible sources of action and hope. It was just before Christmas many years ago that David Storch, a music teacher, borrowed a score of Handel's Messiah from the Brooklyn Public Library. Through clerical error, however, that transaction was never recorded. There were several other requests for that score in the month of December, and the library staff, unaware that it had been checked out, Spent hours searching in vain through the stacks for it. One day, on the day that Storch returned it, placing it on the circulation desk, he was astonished to hear the librarian spontaneously, joyfully, and loudly shout, the Messiah is here. The the Messiah is back. (laughs) The, The news account said that every head in the library turned in the direction of the desk, but then seeing nothing particularly unusual it was back to business as usual look around for a moment at our world on this first Sunday of Christmas somebody cries peace peace there's not a lot of peace someone cries comfort 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 seems in short supply come thou long expected Jesus was a hymn we sang in Advent And heads turn in a curious moment of wondering. But then, generally, our world goes back to business as usual. And so, weary of waiting on God, who we think we have not seen, we lower our expectations and we fold our hands in prayer to more tangible gods to give us purpose. In short... Tired of waiting for the one true God, we've gotten very good at creating our own gods. But there is only one God who saves. Even in a time when we, we experience fear ruling the roost in many corners of our world, it is only the Savior born, the suffering servant, who can lift us up. So, as a follower of Jesus, the question really should never be why do we wait, but how do we wait for God? There are two kinds of waiting. One kind is because there's nothing else to do. The other kind is born out of a hope that is so alive in us, we cannot cease but be active. Anna and Simeon's waiting was not in a vacuum, devoid of activity. They worked, they worshiped, they prayed, they performed acts of justice. While they waited, they defied the darkness by serving God. And Luke tells us, of course, God did come. Who knows what those two old people were expecting, but certainly not this. A fragile baby bundled into the temple by two young parents who were eager to obey the religious laws of purification, but were too poor to afford the sacrifice of a lamb, which is what more well-to-do families would offer at this moment, and brought with them instead the acceptable substitute according to the law, a pair of birds. A man, a woman, two birds, and a baby. This is the heralded and hoped for arrival of God? It's hard to wait for God, but it is the hardest part of waiting for God is to recognize how and when God comes to us. We pray for God to come and give us some sense of the way things used to be when everything seemed more stable, and God comes instead bringing a new and expectant mission. We we pray for God to bring us inner peace, and we only get that coupled with new challenge. We pray for God to come and heal, And we experience God at the graveside saying, I am the resurrection and the life. We pray for God to come and console God's people. And in the front door of this temple walk two new uncertain parents carrying two birds and a baby who will die on a cross. But old Anna looked and she knew it Old Simeon looked too, and somehow he knew too. He knew that God had indeed come, but he also knew that this coming of God, like all God's arrivals, both met human need and defied human expectation. It brought both salvation and demand. It brought great hope and great cost. As soon as he saw this, He said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation, and he added a warning. This child is set for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Every coming of God into our lives meets every need we have. Every coming of God into our lives also violates our own expectations and it demands our lives. The master artist, Giotto, expressed this story in paint. Uh, When he did so, he saw too the fulfillment and the demand, the joy and the hope of this coming of God. Many have called the work, the presentation in the temple, one of the few genuinely witty paintings of great art. Uh, Simeon holds the baby Jesus, his lips moving now beneath his beard, Resorting those off-rehearsed lines, nuke Demitis, now let us thy servant depart in peace. Giotto knows his Simeon. He also knows babies. Um, for the infant Jesus, far from resting contentedly in Simeon's arms through this aria, is responding as all babies do when they are held by eccentric strangers. Uh, the baby's dark eyes are narrowed and fixed in frozen alarm on Simeon. And the baby is reaching desperately for his mother. Every muscle arched away from the old man. Giotto knows his babies. He also knows the deep truth of this moment. For in the painting, as Jesus reaches away from Simeon toward Mary, Jesus is suspended above the altar. It's the altar of sacrifice. From the beginning... This child is destined for the redemption of the world. Redemption and sacrifice, hope and demand, it's always that way when God comes. This God has come, is come, violating our expectations, our reduced hopes for the world, even as God comes to meet our deepest needs. Forgiveness, grace, courage, expectation, Call, claim, hope, faith, strength, comfort, birth, death, resurrection. God has come. God is born. God will come. Like Simeon and Anna, you you came to the temple today. Who knows what to expect the Sunday after Christmas? And in walks a man, a woman, two birds, and a baby. Merry Christmas. And the question, I think, then, for us is, what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for the perfect Christmas that kind of missed this year, and then everything will be okay? Are we waiting to just hit the New Year's resolutions perfectly, and then... A new job, and then a college acceptance letter, and then time to heal what is broken, and then waiting for the breaks to finally go your way, and then you can get on with your life and faith. In the Bible, through the prism of Simeon and Anna's experience, there is no such thing as suspending our lives for a moment while we wait. You do what you can. You do what God shows us to do. Do what you can while you wait. As you remember that following Jesus always means the time is always ripe to do right. Amen.